right. I think everybody can hear me. We did the sound check with Nelly, so I believe everyone can hear you. Tom? Check, check. All right. Welcome to March 1st, Tom. The floor is yours, or I can throw it out to some questions. I would say that 405 first pitch, Heller ball. I would also say that we are excited about the Big Ten championships. We have our 10 best guys. And not going to spend a lot of time here today answering a lot of detailed questions. We know what's next. You know what's next. Uh, questions will answer themselves. We are excited. And we are still hard at work. So that would be my opening and closing statement. Tom Brands ain't going to say a whole lot, then we have to go somewhere else to talk about the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. It is going to be a fun couple of days in Lincoln, Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, Big Ten Wrestling, man, it's Big Ten Wrestling is SEC football. I know I've said that before. I will probably say it again. I think I even said it in the mix of today's show, um, which is going to be a really exciting one, and I'm glad you're here to, uh, to take it all in. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody, and welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you're here. Happy Thursday, March 3rd, just a couple days away from the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. Going to be an excellent couple of days in Lincoln, um, and in the case of the Hawkeyes, a very important couple of days in Lincoln, um, you know, it's going to probably take a strong weekend this weekend to set themselves up to give themselves the best opportunity to perhaps win a second consecutive national title in Detroit. Um, we wrote our, um, you know, I guess we could call it a preview, but I guess I, you know, the what I did earlier this week, um, earlier this week being yesterday, is I, I basically mapped out all the pre-seeds and, and plugged them into, you know, first-round pairings and um, you know, looked at every Iowa wrestler's path to the Big Ten Finals and kind of what does it mean? And we also, um, you know, shout out to the Wrestling Pirate. We got a little bit of help on some projected team scores. Um, so all of that um, in a story earlier this week, I actually I plugged that into the show notes. So if you want to go check that out as you uh, listen, feel free. But it's going to be a really fun weekend. Um, it always is, you know, for the Big Ten Wrestling Championships and um, you know, I, it's just, you know, it's, I, I know that coaches like to make a big deal of the whole, oh, it's the next thing on the schedule, but, but it is the next thing on the schedule. And that's what makes this, you know, just super exciting. It's, it's the next big thing, um, until the next big thing. Right. So, um, you know, speaking of which it's going to be a really fun weekend of wrestling. I don't know if you guys have, have been paying attention. I hope you did. Um, obviously based on last, last, you know, yesterday's show, as well as the mailbag earlier this week, um, a lot of wrestling going down this weekend, right? We got the Big Ten Championships, the Big 12 Championships down in Tulsa, the NAIA Men's National Championships down in Kansas, the Junior College National Championships, which are right down the road here in Council Bluffs, and then also the NCAA Women's National Championships. Shout out Felicity Taylor. Um, not a ton of Iowa um, flavor at the NCAA Women's National Championships, but it's an event worth watching um, because it has grown significantly over the last few years and also... For those of you curious about who the Iowa women will be wrestling against, 
once they finally start competing during the 2023-2024 season, um, tune in. That's that's going to be their competition right out of the gate. So a lot of wrestling to take in. We are going to take today's show and focus strictly on the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. I brought on my buddy Earl Smith, um, the main man at Intermat, and we we broke down the, the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. We didn't go weight by weight or um, team by team. Um, you know, you can check out Intermat for, for those types of previews if that's what you're looking for. What we did instead was we just kind of looked at a few different um, things that jumped out to us that were interesting to us. So, um, you know, the, the formula that we ended up going with was we each picked two weights that were intriguing and talked about those. Then we looked at um, potential underdog um, wrestlers who could perform well above their seeds. And I think that the way we established underdogs was a four seed or higher. Um, and then we predicted the team scores and just kind of explained why we thought um, the top three specifically would round out the way they did. So it was a really fun show. Always love chopping it up with Earl. That is a guy that knows his stuff. He does his homework. He does his research. And I think you guys are going to enjoy today's conversation. So enough of me blabbering. We're five minutes in. We got to get to the good stuff now. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We will go to that conversation now with Earl Smith, and I will see you guys on the other side. As promised, Earl Smith from Intermat back again on the podcast to discuss some Big Ten wrestling, um, Big Ten wrestling championships this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Nebraska's Pinnacle Bank Arena. Earl, what what has you excited about this tournament? Let's start there before we kind of get into uh, the, the nitty gritty here. What what I, we know that the talent is so deep, and you know we were kind of riffing a little bit before we hit record here just about how exciting this tournament's going to be, but what, like, what are you specifically excited about or what are you most looking forward to this weekend in Lincoln? I mean, just in general, the big 10 tournament, uh, this will be the third one in a row that I've been to. And, you know, we can look back last year, you had three NCAA finals previews, uh, the big 10 finals. Um, There's going to be NCAA semis finals, you know, all sorts of matches that we're seeing here and just the the condensed talent of it all, you know, makes it seem you know, just that much more crazy seeing some of these potential quarterfinal matches we have. Um, so it's just a great primer in, uh, you know, for the NCAA tournament. Oh, no doubt. And I uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the, you know, some of these weights like 74, for example, you know, we could, and we'll dive a little bit more into this, but you know, at 74, Michael Kemmer versus Carter Starachi, potentially in the semifinals, you know, a rematch of the NCAA final. Um, kind of bonkers to see that match on Saturday night again, but here we are. And then even, you know, at, at 184, John Poznanski from Rutgers, top four All-American last year at the NCAA championships. He's the seven seed. Um, let's get weird, right? Like that's, you know, I that's that's what I love about this tournament is that just the the we talk about the depth all year just about how the big 10 is like that conference. Um, But this weekend is really kind of an opportunity for that depth to shine because it's all these guys in the same building um, generally wrestling each other, um, which is part of what makes it so much fun. Um, So I figured what we do today, because we could go wait by wait and talk for two hours about this tournament, but I figured the easier way to kind of hopefully touch all our bases um, is I figured we could each pick two weights to watch um, and just kind of break down why those weights are super intriguing for us. Um, we can each pick one underdog um, that we could potentially see making a run to the finals. So an underdog, I think we classified as a four seed or lower. 
um, and then end with who we think the top three teams are going to be in the team race um, when all is said and done on Sunday. So let's let's start with our weights to watch. What's uh, I know I know I we'll pick two, but what's one of the weights that you're super interested to watch this weekend in Lincoln? Uh, so do you want me to just get into that weight directly, or just uh, just yeah, let's talk. just dive okay. in. Let's yeah, go. dive in. Okay, so the, the first uh, when I saw the qualifier allocations and who received them. 141 was just the one that like was flashing red lights at me because you have uh, only seven bids available, but you have just a stacked field of six past All-Americans. You have, um, I think, three NCAA finalists, um, three Big Ten champions, uh, I think five multi-time All-Americans in the field. So, um you know, basically you're going to have, well, we have five at large bids throughout the rest of the country. So based on the results here, we could have, I don't know, three of them taken up by the big 10. And I don't think that's much of a stretch to say that, um, you know, having guys like, uh, let's say a Dylan D'Amelio, who's the seventh seed, um, you know, kind of doing the brackets, you know, he would be a guy that pretty solid, you know, season, you'd think that he wouldn't have a problem qualifying, but he could be a guy left out in the dark or, you know, down the, down the uh, brackets a little bit of Parker Phileas at the 11 seed. I think he was responsible for one of the automatic qualifying bids. You know, he's one that could be on the outside just based on the, the strength of this weight class. And then <clears throat> you have the added element of possible NCAA and big 10 rematch with, uh, Nick Lee and Jaden Ironman. And then kind of the additional layer of Sebastian Rivera is undefeated. There are some people that kind of question the seating there as far as you got a guy with a loss at the two seed or, um, you know, Rivera showed up to wrestle Lee, but Lee, you know, was sick or, you know, whatever was the case. So, you know, there's some people upset about that seed. Um, and then maybe another element is, Rivera's health you know there have been whispers that you know he was kind of dinged up at one of the last matches I think he missed their Columbia duel so you know just how healthy is he is he someone that could make the semis and default out after you know clinching top six um you know does he do the injury default deal and just hope for an at-large bid um because of the stuff I talked about earlier that would just throw an even bigger loop into this whole thing if you know Sebastian Rivera needs an at-large or if he doesn't wrestle the entire tournament so I just think there's a lot of questions kind of surrounding the weight class in addition to the actual good wrestling that we're going to see yeah no and I I love this weight for a number of reasons um you know because the first thing that kind of jumped out to me was oh hey like we could see um, you know, obviously Nick Lee Ironman in the finals, but you I mean, you brought up a good point there with Sebastian Rivera, um, you know, but that's also, you know, let's, let's assume that he's healthy enough to wrestle. He'd have to probably maybe get through Stevan Vicic in the, uh, yes. in the quarters. Right. You know, and then you bring up D'Amelio and I'm just kind of playing this bracket out in my head. You know, he could see, you know, the loser, you know, let's say he beats, uh, Frankie Telshahar in the first round. Um, you know, we're assuming the preceeds hold because I don't think there's a ton of changes, between the preseeds and the brackets, there's maybe one or two, but it's nothing huge. Um, so D'Amelio would get Telshahar in the first round. Winner gets Ironman. Um, if Ironman wins that one, 
Um, you know, you mentioned a guy like D'Amelio who's had a pretty solid season. He would wrestle the loser of Dylan Dunk and Joey Zargo on the cross if he were to lose that quarterfinal match and then potentially, you know, the, the Michich Rivera loser um, for, you know, the, the Conci quarters where the winner gets top six, the loser falls to that ever crucial seventh place match. So, man, there's a lot to like about this way, right? You know, and Michich has Parker Philia's first round potentially. So it's like not, you know, it's not a gimme that he even, you know, meets Rivera in the quarter. Um, you know, I feel like it's, there's that, there, that, that second quarter on the top side with, with Berglund, Santos, Red and Rooks. I feel like that's one maybe, we're not giving enough love to because Chad red looking for, you know, potentially his fourth NCAA all American honor, um, which is something I think only what two others or three others in Nebraska history have ever done. Um, so he's got, you know, a, a strong weekend out of him will set him up nicely for the NCAA championships. I like this weight. I, I like that you picked it. Um, how, I mean, how do you, what's what, what, how do you think this could ultimately play out or what are you kind of hoping to see out of this weight this weekend? Uh, kind of the big thing for me is I'm I'm hoping that Rivera is able to go at close to 100% because he's been a guy that's uh, just had a ridiculous bonus point percentage. And, uh, you know, last year maybe he was a little undersized at the weight, but uh, he, he comes in this year and uh, looking at, uh, you know, some of the results with Ironman, I'm thinking, you know, does he beat Ironman? And, you know, Fair maybe question, right? Because yeah, I don't know yeah, that they've wrestled yet. Yeah, and maybe at a hundred percent he does, but if he's you know limited in any way, shape, or form, I definitely have to give the edge to Ironman. So, um, you know, kind of the big thing is uh, what's up with Rivera. Um, and then, kind of if we're in a normal year, um, you and I have talked uh, before about Drake Alla and kind of his trajectory and having these young guys and you know that them doing well at these postseason tournaments like a joe zargo frankie tal shahar i've liked these guys results towards the end of the year and they have me thinking you know if, if they're in a ncaa bracket they could even if they're the uh, 16 20 seed they could do some stuff um if they're in a normal bracket here maybe they do some stuff um so I don't know. Maybe we still, maybe we'll still see that because uh, Zargo and Duncan meet in the first round. And uh, I think uh, Zargo beat him earlier in the year. Um, the way kind of I had the brackets playing out, I had uh, those two meeting again for seventh place. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Which is like part of the fun here, right? Like that's, you know, we, this is one of those ways where it's just like, you know, it can go six, seven, eight, nine, ten different ways. And I don't know that any of us would be surprised by it. Um, yeah. Who do you, th I mean, who do you think are the, the ultimate seven? I mean, if you said you played this out. Um, I had uh, Lee Ironman, Rivera, Red, uh, Berglund, Michich, and uh, Zargo. Okay. So, but, so basically chalk, but Zargo over D'Amelio instead yeah. of, yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. That This will be a really intriguing weight. Um, you know, I feel like the top two always get the headliners, but, um, you know, Rivera, Rivera um, you know, if him and Ironman do meet, there's like a couple trains of thought here is like, you know, Sebastian Rivera waiting for an opportunity like this. So how does he capitalize on that? Should he, you know, be 100% full go and, and Russell that match, um, you know, because he's pretty technically sound, super aggressive, um, you know, not, a, you know, not afraid to wrestle on top and, and turn some people. So like, you know, how does that factor into, 
um, you know, a matchup against Ironman who a little bit more funky, a little bit more freewheeling, um, you know, just kind of a, an interesting clash of styles there. But at the same time, it's also, you know, so far as I know at 141, this would be their first meeting if it's Rivera Ironman in the semifinals um, and people who wrestle Ironman for the first time, generally it does not go well for them. So it's like, because they just, they, they know about how he wrestles, but I don't know that people truly know what it feels like until they get their hands on him, if that makes sense. So it's sure. like, you know, I, I, I could see a pin for Ironman, or I could see like a, like a six Oh win for Rivera. And I just, I don't know that I would, I think I would be surprised by both of those results, but not like shocked. I don't know if mm-hmm. that makes any sense at all, but yeah, I don't know. Like that's, that's a super intriguing matchup. I, you know, hopefully Rivera Michich happens. Hopefully Rivera's healthy. Um, yeah, a lot to like about that weight. I'm, I'm glad you picked that one. I think one of the ones I'm super intrigued by, um, you know, shout out to the little guys. I'm always intrigued at 125 pounds. Um, and this year more than ever, because it, it looks like, you know, based on the preseason, and just based on what we've seen, um, you know, it's, you've got, Pretty steady presence with Nick Suriano from Michigan at the top. He's the one seed. And then behind him, it's kind of like a who's who, right? Like who mm-hmm. who's going to show up and have a good day, right? And specifically on the bottom side of the bracket, you know, because like no offense to guys like Devin Schroeder, Malik Heinzelman, and Pat McKee, who, you know, how bonkers is this tournament? Nick Suriano, Pat McKee, potentially in the quarterfinals, right? Um, but, you know, looking at the pre-seeds and, and the bottom side of the bracket, you've got, you know, Eric Barnett's the three seed. Zach Spence, the 14, Drake Ayala from Iowa is the six. He'll Tristan Lujan, the 11, Michael Diagostino um, is the seven seed. Justin Cardani is the 10 and then Drew Hildebrandt's the two. So he's got to buy. Um, that is just super interesting to me because I could see multiple scenarios where any, maybe not any, but like there's, I mean, there's a, there's a different scenarios where a lot of these guys could have been, you know, could come out of the bottom side of that bracket and potentially see Soriano in the finals, assuming he takes care of business up top. Um, which, you know, you look at the state of 125 nationally, and I know that a lot of the talent is out east with guys like Patrick Glory and Vito. And, um, you know, you can throw Soriano into that mix as well in terms of like guys who are true title contenders. But the bottom half of this bracket, I think, could really dictate how, you know, could it's going to set up whoever comes out of the bottom side of that bracket really well for the NCAA championships. Um, and it's just, it's just super fascinating, right? And, I, you know, Hildebrandt's been been a pretty steady presence at the top of the Penn State lineup. But, you know, there's there's a world where Michael Diagostino gets him, um, you know, in the quarterfinals or there's a world where either Eric Barnett or Drake Ayala could get him in the semifinals. Right. And it's just that I, I think this is so fascinating. Um, and it's especially fascinating when you factor in Iowa and Penn State, not just for the team title this weekend, but for the team title at the NCAA championships as well. Like it's this is going to set up a lot of things. And I think it's going to carry a lot more weight than maybe some people realize. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm glad you said this way, just because, um, you know, all year doing national rankings, trying to make sense of some of this, um, I've really thought that the guys from about 5 to 20, if any of them get fifth in the country, it wouldn't really shock me that much. And, you know, looking at these brackets, you have – McKee is an eight seed, Diagostino is a seven seed, you know, in, in a normal big 10 type bracket, if those guys make the finals, it's a pretty big shocker. Um, you know, Diagostino making the finals, uh, Drake Ayala is a six seed, you know, not that far fetched. Um, they, they look like upsets as far as seeds go, but at the end of the day, eh, 
Yeah. Like, is it really, really. you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and the other thing too is, you know, I I pulled up um, Intermat's rankings here, right? So Soriano's the one, Glory's the two, Vito's the three, Brandon Courtney's the four. Um, You know, not 100% that those are going to be the NCAA seeds, but kind of like you said, anybody from five to 20, right? And we're talking, you know, Drew Hildebrandt's the five, um, Anthony Noto from Lock Haven's the 20. I, you know, I'd even throw Kyson Tarakina from Iowa State, who's ranked 21st in that mix, as you know, yep. if, if he gets hot, um, you know, he could have a pretty big march. But, you know, I could could the Big Ten finalist at, at 125 opposite Soriano, assuming that that's how the bracket unfolds, I could they very well be the five or the six seed at the NCAA championships? Or how do you kind of view um, the impact of these results nationally, or at least on the NCAA brackets? Yeah, I mean, I unless something that we're not really foreseeing happens in a different conference. Um, I'd be shocked if the runner up wasn't the fifth seed, um, especially if we're talking, um, well, I mean, really, yeah. <laughs> if, if the runner, <laughs> yeah. If the runner up is uh, pretty much any of those four guys we mentioned, um, yeah. you know, there's a decent enough case that you could be made for a fifth seed there. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, to, I mean, this is a little outside the big 10, but the one, um, name that potentially comes to mind is, you know, West Virginia's Killian Cardinale, um, 25 at, in the big 12s. If he wins, um, you know, there might be a case to make him the five seed and make the big yeah. 10 runner up the six seed. Um, you know, now you're talking big brain potential bracket projections there, but, um, yeah, man, like I just, I, I really like this weight. I think it's really intriguing. There are 10 qualifying spots up for grabs. So, you know, I'd like to think that a lot of the guys that, you know, I'd like to think it's probably the top 10 that will get through. No offense to Lujan, Moran, Reno, and Spence, but, um, you know, the, the top 10 at this weight, Suriano, Hildebrandt, Barnett, Malik, Devin Schroeder, Drake, um, Diagostino, McKee, Shaver, and Cardani. Um, like to think it's probably those guys that get through. Um, I guess ultimately we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, 10 qualifying spots for the Big Ten. Um, and it just, just, it's really intriguing to me, you know, with the team race aspect, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, um, why I'm so super intrigued by it. Um, you know, but then also just, you know, bigger picture, this is going to play into, you know, NCA seating, um, which I find this to, you know, that's always, um, you know, kind of an interesting subplot to these, to these conference tournaments. Um, so those, those are two weights to watch. What's, what's the second weight that you're super curious into this weekend? All right, and so you went to one end of the spectrum with the uh, 125s. I'll go to the opposite end with 285. Bookends. Yes, right. Um, you, you mentioned uh, weight classes with NCAA seating um, uh, implications on the line. Um, this one, I think... Might be the just, best example, right? Yeah, <laughs> this is just massive. Um, I think, you know, Coaches probably won't say it publicly, but, uh, you know, all year, I'm sure they were looking at the rankings and uh, not necessarily wanting to be on the same side of the Big Ten and NCAA bracket as Gable Steveson. And you I know, that's a thought that you yeah. absolutely know that's a thought. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we see the the Big Ten brackets with uh, Cassiope two, Kirkfleet three and Mason Paris four. So we could have the Big Ten NCAA finals rematch in the semis. Uh, I mean, it would be kind of groundbreaking if we didn't see that. Um, so, you know, no offense to like a Lucas Davison who's had a great year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was actually laying in bed last night before I was uh, falling asleep thinking about 
how this would impact the NCAA seeding and your your bottom semifinal Kirkley Cassiope. I mean, that's the um, big matchup we need to watch here, right? It was yeah. big. It was big when they met in the duel after Kirkfleet beat Mason Paris, and you know it, it carries even more weight now, right? Yeah, because I'm I'm assuming that the committee is probably going to give Colton Schultz the second seed uh, undefeated All-American um, hasn't wrestled the schedule that these guys have, but you know, bare minimum, maybe they give him the three seed. So however it works out, the guy who's the finalist on this side is probably your second or third seed at nationals. And, and that's huge. Yeah. That's, that's and especially when we're talking about, you know, again, Iowa, Penn state, that's that's huge team race implications there, right? Exactly, exactly. And so um, that also has uh, big implications as far as your third place bout with Kirkfleet. Well, let's say you know the loser Kirkfleet, Cassio B, and Mason Paris. Um, you would have maybe one of those guys third and the other fourth. Um, but I'm also wondering how it works out as far as, you know, I said, okay, we got Schultz, we got the runner up and then we got the third place in fourth. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But then I, I guess my, a big brain follow-up there would be like, you know, a guy like Wyatt Hendrickson, who I know, I know the big 12 isn't nearly the gauntlet at heavyweight that big 10 is, but there's going to like, something's got, you know, in the same way that Schultz are returning all American running under, you know, running the table at the pac 12s um, you know, how much does Hendrickson potentially run in the table at big 12s? You know, how much does that influence you? I mean, does he, does he have a case for the four? Does he have a case for the five? How far back does that bump third and fourth place in the big 10? Right. That's the next step that I'm glad you said that. Cause <laughs> um, you know, he, he's definitely not going to face anybody of that caliber, but the big 12 has, a bunch of guys in that like 18 to 25 range quality opponents that he's going to beat. He's beaten some, you know, good guys this year. Um, so um, I figured we'd probably talk about this and I want to do some homework or I did some homework to see kind of what a similar situation has happened in the recent past. So I kind of threw out last year cause it was kind of goofy, a lot of undefeated guys, you know, a lot of guys didn't hit each other. So the weight class I came up with was 2020, uh, 133 pounds. So you had Chaz Tucker from Cornell was undefeated, wrestled in the EIWA, wrestled a good schedule, but didn't hit any of the top-notch Big Ten guys. He was undefeated and got the third seed. The first seed was Sebastian Rivera. Second seed was Seth Gross. And so he got the third seed over, and actually you had uh, Mickey Phillippe get the fourth seed with one loss to uh, Sammy Alvarez, which was kind of an odd one. But he got the fourth seed over RBY, who was the Big Ten runner-up. And so he was five, DeSanto was six, and DeSanto didn't really have any bad losses just to those studs above him. And I think he beat Gross that year too. Yeah. So that was kind of, you know, I'm sure we can go and look at other weight classes and see, um, you know, some other examples of doing it a different way. 
I know the year before Jack Mueller was undefeated at 25, didn't wrestle a really good schedule, got the fifth seed. So, um, you know, I, I could see the unsaid giving Hendrickson a pretty high seed. Yeah. That's which is, you know, it just makes all of this super more interesting because, you know, depending on the finish, you know, who, who is, who all ends up on the bottom side. Right. I mean, I think there's a case where, you know, big 10 runner up is the three seed. Um, but then you're, you know, who's the six and the seven seed, like, could we see some games being played, for example, to try and, you know, get the six or the seven, as opposed to the five seed, right. Or the four seed just to try and avoid Gable. Like, is that, you know, I, like, I would hate to see that because I want to see these matchups again, but you know, I, that could, I mean, that could very well be a possibility, right? Like, let's say, you know, Cassiope beats Kirk Vliet, um, and Gable beats Paris. Like does Paris default to fifth or sixth because it maybe gives him the seventh seed and he'd have to beat Schultz and then Cassiope in order to get to the finals, but it puts him opposite of Gable. Like, is that something that could potentially happen here? Yeah. And that's, I hope not because I want to see everybody wrestle it out, but you know, even if they do wrestle it out, that fourth place finisher could end up being the sixth seed or the seventh seed. So yeah, seven, I mean, seven or eight seed. Right. So it's like, you know, how, how much do you want to try and play that (laughs) game? Yeah. Yeah, You want to press your luck. Yeah. You know, and like how much does, you know, the NSA seating committee punish somebody potentially for doing that too. So I don't know, like it's, you know, and then the other thing I think that's just kind of interesting to me is, you know, big 10 seeds make sense to me, but um, Cassiope has that um, loss to Jack Del Garbino from earlier in the year. How much does the NCAA seating committee maybe punish him for that, if at all? Um, you know, or does you know does he not get punished for it if he's able to beat Kirk Fleet again? Um, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of interesting things at play here, and I'm really glad you picked this way. Just one because of the, the level of talent here. I mean, Tate Orndorff was an All American last year, and he's the eight seed. Um, <laughs> another prime example of how deep this this tournament yeah. is. Um, you know, same thing with Trent Hilger, you know, he two-time All-American, he's the seventh seed. Um, returning NCAA finals, Mason Paris is the four seed. Um, you know, another weight where NCAA finals rematch could be in the semifinals. But yeah, like it's, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting things about this weight just within the tournament itself. But then also, um, you know, another reason I'm glad you picked this one was just the potential NCAA implications here. Um, which is again, another fun subplot about why these things are so interesting. I, my second weight that I'm just really curious to watch, um, going to do the same thing you did uh, one lightweight and one heavier weight, but I'm just going to drop right down to 197. Um, All right. the, the depth at this weight is absolutely bananas. Um, I know there were some people that weren't particularly happy about how the preseeds ultimately unfolded. Um, I, generally indifferent when it comes to pre-seeds, although I think there is somewhat of a case here for Jacob Warner potentially to be the three seed. Um, you know, I, I, Cam Caffey, I don't know exactly where you put him. This is just, it's one of those weird weights where it's like, there's enough people have beaten each other. And I don't know that there's, this could be a weight I think where we could maybe see some changes on the brackets. Um, I don't know how big of changes. I don't know what specific changes we might see, but, um, yeah, just an interesting weight maybe from that dynamic. But then also, you know, um, 11 NCAA qualifying bids up for grabs. So you got to think all the heavy hitters are probably going to be there. I'd be really intrigued if it goes chalk, kind of what that Russell back potentially looks like with a guy like Gavin Hoffman and Andrew Hare, uh, Davison and, um, you know, Michael Foy from Minnesota. Um, I've liked the way that he has scrapped a little bit. Jaron Smith from Maryland. He's got a big win this season. Um, 
you know, I'd be curious to kind of follow that a little bit as well. But I, 197, um, you know, I, one seed is Eric Schultz, two seeds Max Dean, three is Caffey, four is Warner, five is Brucky. So potentially Warner Brucky in the quarterfinals, that could be pretty big for the team race. Um, you know, when you're looking at, you know, can Michigan kind of spoil the party at the top? That's a match that I know that they probably got circled. If Warner can win that one, he'll get a rematch with Schultz, which is a match he can win. Um, you know, this is potentially a weight where Iowa could pick up some points. Um, you know, it's there, there's a lot of intrigue here. You know, and oh, by the way, junior world champ Braxton Amos, just the eight seed, because, you know, that's welcome to Division One wrestling. Um, I just I like this way because it can unfold maybe six or seven or eight different ways. And, um, you know, kind of looking at this weight nationally, I don't know that it's going to have the same impact. I think, you know, th- how this weight maybe finishes, you know, could dictate a lot of the top eight seeds, maybe top 10 seeds at the NCAA championships. But, um, you know, there's also, you know, at the same time, there's the big 12 championships as well. So you kind of wonder how the results from these two, you know, those two tournaments specifically, um, maybe impacts what the top seeds look like at the NCAA championships. I don't know. What do you think about 197? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as uh, what, what I've come to learn doing national rankings is there's usually one or two weights that just drive you insane every year. And 197 has been that weight. Um, there's been uh, very little sense to be made out of it. Um, <laughs> Which is fun, right? Like that's yeah, well, as yeah, a wrestling so the, fan, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it can be boring when you're just looking at the one and two seeds saying, okay, are they going to have a cakewalk to the finals and they're going to meet and we know it's going to happen here. Um, it, it is fun because we could go through some of these weights and that probably would be, you know, some of the, uh, well, not all of them, but a couple here and there. Um, I mean, even the heavyweight we were just talking about, we were kind of going chalk and not even thinking twice about it. Um, but here, yeah, you could see um, a three and a four seed meet in the finals, Caffey and Warner. You know, that that wouldn't be unexpected. That, you know, that would be a good matchup. Um, so, and that would throw the, one hell of a wrench into the NCAA seeding if that were to actually yeah, happen, right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know uh, Willie brought up that Caffey is meeting Rabluski, the 14th seed, who beat him like the first weekend of the year. So, I mean, shoot, that, yeah, that could blow up the bracket. I th- I'd like to think Caffey will probably win the rematch, but yeah, like that's a fair point that, you know, Rabluski could throw a wrench into this bracket right out of the gate on Saturday morning. Yeah. And you mentioned Foy, you know, he's a guy that's kept it close with uh, a lot of good guys and, um, had uh, I know he beat Tanner Sloan I think one of the first weeks of the season so um, you know in Jaron Smith 11 seed um, saw what he did with Brucky so yeah, there's there's potential for a lot of chaos with this yeah and I you know looking at again just kind of the greater national implications here you guys have Max Dean as as the one Stephen Buchanan from Wyoming as the two but then you know Big Ten Big Ten Big Ten three four and five with Schultz Warner and Caffey um, you mentioned Tanner Sloan, younger Bastida is the seven behind Sloan. And then you got Rocky Elam again from the big 12. So um, lots of heavy implications here. And I wonder if, you know, a guy like Pat Brucky, for example, um, the five seed, you know, I, not out of the realm of possibility that that dude could make a run from the five seed to the finals. And then, 
you know, what kind of mess are we looking at when it comes to NCA seeding? Cause that would bump Warner to the bottom side of the, you know, the bottom backside of the bracket where he could see, you know, Caffey, Panola or Dean potentially, um, you know, that would also bump Schultz, the one seed to the backside of the bracket where he could potentially see any combination of those guys as well. Um, yeah, there's just, there's a lot that I think could happen here. And I like, which is, which is part of why I like, I circled it because it's a lot of fun. Um, what do you like? How, I don't know. Like who, like who, like who do you think the 11 qualifiers, I think the top eight, I think are safe. Um, you know, I mentioned that the, the Russell back bracket is probably going to be super interesting. How do you see this weight unfolding? Um, to be honest, I could see, uh, Penn state, Iowa matchup here. Um, you know, I mean, that's not too, you know, I'm not going too far out <laughs> on a limb here with the two and the four seeds meeting, but again, you know, you're, you'd ask me to look at some underdogs and, uh, you know, there aren't too many four seeds that you could see beating the one seeds with a lot of these brackets, but, um, you know, Warner over Schultz, that wouldn't really be an upset. You know, I know the seeds say it, but yeah. yeah. Well, and that's one of those weird, you know, like Warner's got, I think better like national tournament finishes than Schultz, but Schultz has beaten Warner. I want it like at least twice, maybe three times, um, you know, out of four matchups that they've had against each other. Um, you know, the, the, the Brucky scenario at the five is really curious to me, just, you know, the, you know, Michigan, Iowa in the quarters, like that's, that'll have some team race implications. Um, you know, like that's, I think, you know, that's a weight where, you know, that's a match where I think Brucky can win. And that's, you know, if he does, those are some points that Michigan picks up that maybe they don't otherwise. Um, yeah. Like there's, it's yeah, like I, I, it's super interesting because there's so many various finalist combinations here, um, you know, and then obviously when you factor in the national implications there as well, um, yeah, I don't know, just just a really fun way to watch. So you, I mean, you you hit on that we uh, the next part that we were going to kind of look at is underdogs or guys that are seated fourth or lower who we think could make runs to the finals. Um, easy segue there. Um, I know we're sitting here talking about 197. Is that, is that where you're looking at as a potential underdog this weekend or, or what, uh, what four seed or lower do you have circled as a guy that could potentially make a run this year? Um, well, I, I mentioned Warner and maybe that's the most likely one, but just to kind of switch things up a little bit, I'll go to 149. Um, a match I know you're probably paying close attention to for quarterfinals, uh, Max Muir and Yaya Thomas. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I mean, one, we have Muren who won the first match, but, you know, regardless, it's going to be a close matchup one way or the other. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Yaya wins that one. Yeah. Um, he has always, he's given Sammy Sasso fits um, over the years. So, hey, why not? Why, why couldn't? Why couldn't he pull one over Sasso? You know, we saw he kind of relishes being the underdog at uh, the NCAA <laughs> tournament. And, uh, you know, he's flashing his seed after he gets third place. So, you know, he, he's kind of aware that people are thinking he's going to lose these matches. So I'm sure these are mats, matches, you know, Muir and Sasso that he's going to want. And, uh, you know, then looking ahead to maybe a Gomez love it. 
Yeah. And I, I love that you picked that one because that when these seeds came out, I was like not out of the realm of possibility that Max has to make a run through the Russell backs if he wants to, you know, there's seven NCAA qualifiers for this weight. Um, you know, I'd like to think that Max will not go zero and two again, like he did last year. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, I can totally see Yaya versus Sasso in the semis. And that means Max is probably going to have to win a handful of Russell back matches. Um, I, I like that. And I, I really like that you pick Yaya because he's a guy that, you know, obviously when March hits, he flips a switch. Um, and he just, he decides to open up the entire playbook. Right. Um, but, but he's a guy that just like stylistically, um, you know, if, if, if the seeds hold again, um, he'd get Michael North first, um, probably either Murin or Peyton Omanya in the, well, I mean, that's the other first round matchup like that in itself is going to be super intriguing. Um, cause Peyton Omanya can literally hit a headlock from anywhere. Um, sure. and as we saw last year, Murin versus Ridge, love it. Murin a little susceptible to that. I'd like to think that there's going to be a pretty steady game plan here. And I wonder how well Omanya's you know, Greco influence is going to, you know, Mirren holds position really, really well. It's really hard to, you know, get the head and arm together. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how Omanya attacks that. But yeah, like just the way Yaya Russell's like, again, even though Mirren holds position really well, it's it's a style from Yaya that, you know, lends itself to, you know, just kind of quick flashes, blast doubles, quick singles, pick up quick finishes that gives guys like Murin and again, Sammy Sasso who holds position even better more often than not. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, it just, it gives them fits. And so could Yaya make the finals? Like, I think he has a better shot of making the semis than making the finals just because Sasso time. And again, has always figured out how to win those close matches and just is, is a gritty gutsy wrestler. But um, you know, if Yaya makes the finals, I'm not shocked. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I like, I like that that was your pick there at 149. That's, that's an intriguing path that he has there. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like, obviously I cover the Hawkeyes. So like seeing the Mira and Omanya first round match, like that could, you know, that, that could also throw a wrench into things. And I don't want to say it makes it easier for Yaya potentially, but, um, you know, don't, don't count out a headlock, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I am going to stick with, um, Call me a homer if you want. I don't care. Drake Ayala is the sixth seed is super intriguing to me. And I know we talked about 125 as a weight that, you know, a dozen different things could happen and anybody could come out of the bottom side. But as the sixth seed, um, I think he can get to the Big Ten finals, um, you know, because, again, assuming the seeds hold, he gets Tristan Lujan from Michigan State, Eric Barnett from Wisconsin in the quarters, and then Drew Hildebrandt in the semifinals. I like that path for Drake, man. Um, and if he gets there, you know, one, obviously he's going to the NCAA championships. That's going to help him when it comes to NCAA seeding. Um, obviously it's going to help Iowa in the team race this weekend and potentially next weekend, because now we're seeing a little bit more of, you know, Drake wrestling these high level opponents. Um, but that's man, as soon as he came out or as soon as this precedes came out and I saw that he was the six and just opposite Suriano. And, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about 125. I just, I like that path. And I like that. You know, I mean, he's a guy that shows up when the lights are on and he wrestles his best. And these aren't the brightest lights that he's going to wrestle under this season. Um, you know, God willing that his health holds up. But, you know, this, I think a strong performance here would set him up really nicely for Detroit. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Drake, who's the sixth seed. So it falls under our, our underdog definition, um, even though I think a lot of people wouldn't be shocked to see him potentially make the Big Ten finals. But um, I like that. I like his path. 
Um, and I, I just, I like the way it's all set up for him and just knowing the kid and having watched him, you know, him wrestle for the last few years. Um, you know, this is an opportunity that I know he's probably licking to, you know, licking his chops to get it, you know, to get his hands on. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of intrigued by his path. You know, I like the pick as well. Um, you know, you have Barnett, he's kind of, he can hit some big moves. He's good on top, uh, kind of funky. Um, I, I'd have to give it up probably for the Wisconsin staff. They seems like maybe they've fine tuned him a little bit. He's uh, not quite as reckless as uh, in past years, but um, it's, it's an interesting, interesting matchup with Ayala. And then, you know, looking ahead to maybe a Hildebrandt match in the semis, you know, very sound defensively uh, against, you know, Ayala who's good attacks, uh, you know, high volume, um, kind of a good good mix. Uh, Gas tank for days, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, both of those present different matchups, but it, it's fun to see which one is going to prevail. And, yeah. you know, maybe whose coaching staff is able to kind of coach him up and get, get prepared for that other style. Yeah, well, and I like that you kind of brought up, you know, Barnett, Hildebrandt, both seasoned guys, veteran guys, both All-Americans. Um, you know, and they're, and they're similar in that, you know, th- these are, these are two guys that are pretty Hildebrandt's probably a little bit more sound defensively, but both of these guys, you know, very capable on top, um, you know, and Drake's had experience against that, right? Like he beat Devin Schroeder. He chose not to go underneath and took him down a couple of times. Um, you know, three of his five losses this season, or maybe three of his four losses this season. Um, I, I have to double check that. I don't really pay too close attention to records once the preseeds come out, but um, you know, Pat McKee, Pat McKee's a hammer on top. Right. And so, you know, he's got experience wrestling guys like that. He can probably score against anybody in the country. So, you know, what, uh, what's the match strategy going to be when, you know, you're in the third period and, you know, you're up or down three to two and it's your choice. And what's, you know, I, are are you facing riding time? Are you not like, there's, there's a lot of intrigue in, in both of those matches. Um, you know, if they were to happen just because of how similar the opponents are. And so I wonder what the game plan would be, um, you know, which is part of what makes it exciting. Cause you know, Drake's going to be able to go the full seven minutes plus if needed. And it's, I don't know, like, it's just, I, I, I like the path. Um, obviously he still has to go out and execute. Um, and I just, I think we'll, we'll learn a lot or at least the rest of the big 10 conference and perhaps the rest of the country will learn a lot about Drake Ayala this weekend, just because of the opportunity that's in front of him. So, um, just real intrigued by that. And that was definitely one of those where I was like circle highlight, use a red pen, whatever you got to do. Once the, once the pre-seeds came out and I kind of put the bracket together. So that's super intriguing weight for me. Um, not just for Drake individually, but obviously for Iowa's team title odds as well. Um, so those were the, those were the ways that we wanted to watch. Those were the underdogs. I think we were most curious about. Um, I think we wanted to wrap today's show top three in the team race. Who do you see, um, as one, two, three at the Big Ten tournament this weekend, and what's the and, and your rationale behind the one, two, three in the team race? I am gonna go with Penn State one, Iowa two, Michigan three, and um, as far as Michigan, we have you know some of the Pat Bruckies and, and guys that uh, you know earlier in the year they're pretty high in the rankings A Canaan store. He's been injured. So um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get as much out of those guys as, as we thought three months ago. Um, you know, it could, 
I don't, I just see Penn State, um, you know, they're kind of their big firepower with, uh, you know, 74, 84, of course, you know, Kemmer wins in the semis and <laughs> who knows, or, you know, Cassiope, Kirkfleet, um, I'm giving Penn State the edge in those close ones, but <clears throat> we shall see. I like that. I I think I have. So I, I I've got Iowa over Penn State barely, um, and then I also have. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Nebraska some love. The home team. Um, I they tend to wrestle very very well at the Big Ten tournament. Um, I know they have at least the the last couple of Big Ten tournaments, especially last year. They were they were phenomenal. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to put them just slightly ahead of Michigan for third. Um, you know, I think they have, um, you know, enough guys here and there to score enough points to, you know, crack the top three, but I've, I've got Iowa barely over Penn state, um, at least at the big 10 tournament. I know once we get to the NCAA championships, things are going to get look a little different because you're factoring in, you know, 30 other teams and, um, you know, where, what's these guys, you know, where are they at nationally compared to where they are at in the big 10. But I just, you know, you look at Iowa and the potential, you know, they got five, two seeds and I know that's not nearly as much, as much firepower as Penn state with, you know, th- their four returning NCAA champs. Um, you know, but I just, I think Iowa can do enough on the back end, um, to lift them over Penn state at the big 10 tournament, you know, I'm looking at, you know, like 149, for example, Murin and, and Bartlett, I see Murin scoring quite a bit more points than Bartlett 65, Alex Marinelli. Um, and they put Ed cell in at 65, right. I'm scanning up yep. through there. So they put Ed cell there at 65. I think, you know, Marinelli, that's, that's a weight where Iowa can score a ton more points um, than, than Penn state 57. Caleb young can get to the finals. Um, you know, Brady Berge, the 10 seed, I guess that could technically be a quarterfinal yeah. matchup. So that's, yeah. that could also be super interesting there. Um, you know, but again, that's a weight where I just, I see Iowa scoring more points, you know, and then you look at some of the other weights where Penn state's got their firepower, like 33, for example, Roman Bravo Young's the one seed DeSanto's the two seed. So Penn state's not going to outscore Iowa as much there. I don't think same thing with 141. Um, Nick Lee's the one seed Ironman's the two, um, you know, I guess that there's always that chance where Rivera could, you know, beat Ironman. Uh, but just, I, I'd, I'd like to think that we're going to see Lee Ironman in the finals again. So, you know, if Lee does come out on top, that's not a ton more points than Iowa there. I just think the, the weights where Iowa is favored in this tournament, um, they're going to be able to put a little bit more distance between them and their Penn state counterparts. Um, you know, can they do the same thing at the NCAA championships in two weeks? I don't know. I'm trying to stay where my feet are, even though I know that this tournament has, you know, national tournament implications. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but I like Iowa to win this weekend. It'd be their third straight, uh, big 10 team tournament. Um, you know, and I think if they do and they, and they do the things we think they're capable of, it could set them up nicely for the NCAA championship. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's where I'm, I'm leaning. Um, I think it'll be a really fun, intense, tight team race all the way down, you know, through all day Saturday, all the way through the finals on Sunday. Um, you know, I don't think it's a thing that'll actually be clinched until Sunday. I don't know how, how much you've thought about, you know, the team race or if you care as much about the team race as maybe some Iowa fans do, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really fun little team race and I think it's going to be quite revealing. Um, you know, cause I think there's, again, like I said at the top, I think there's a lot of people that think Penn state's just going to kind of walk in and run away with it. And I think people maybe are forgetting how deep across the board Iowa really is. And I think that's, 
that'll be a, a lesson that a lot of people maybe relearn this weekend, just kind of looking at the lineup. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get super into it as far as, you know, going point by point with it, but you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about all, all the times in recent years where um, maybe, you know, Ohio state won the big 10 and Penn state won the NCAA title. So, you know, that definitely, there's a track record of, of stuff like that happening where, you know, the more balanced team wins the big 10. Um, and, and you said, we shall see what, I, what I love uh, after an NCAA tournament or a big, big tournament like this, uh, you know, the, the next morning, just looking at the brackets and it's just like, man, it all makes sense. Of course, I <laughs> of course what we should have known that uh, D'Agostino was going to win the whole thing. Like, <laughs> the writing was on the wall. Uh, look at how well he'd been wrestling all the way through February. Why didn't we yeah. pick him as our underdog? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a lot of, and even, you know, I, the, I think the fun part about the wrestling season, I know that there's, there are coaches and athletes that feel a certain type of way about this, but, um, you know, if, if, if things don't go your way this weekend, um, you've got two weeks to figure it out, readjust and go back after it. Um, at least for most guys, I know some guys, if you don't get through this weekend, um, that's the end of the road for you this season. But, um, you know, for a lot of the guys that we tend to talk about, um, there is another chance to, to right your wrong, so to speak, um, two weeks from now at the NCAA championships. Earl, I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's a really busy week for the both of us um, to talk some Big Ten wrestling. I think we touched most all the bases. Um, if not, um, hopefully our seats are next to each other on press row, and we'll just geek out about the results that, that take place in Lincoln this weekend. I appreciate the time, man. Um, yeah, you got any, any other parting thoughts before, before we head out? Yeah, I just uh, I always have fun on with you. Thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I look forward to this weekend. There should be should be some good stuff. Big thank you to Earl Smith um, for coming on. That guy is again, man. That guy knows his stuff. He's well researched. He's well read. And always fun chopping up, um, not just Big Ten wrestling with him, but obviously, you know, any sort of wrestling. And, um, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm excited to really pick his brain over, um, you know, some NCAA wrestling stuff as well. And, um, you know, here's hoping that I get to sit near him on press row just to, you know, him and I are going to freak out over, you know, one result at one weight might impact how the NCAA championships unfold. And it's just it's going to be a blast. And that's part of what makes conference weekend so fun, right? There's just there's so many things at stake. And. You know, obviously there, there's a tournament going on, but we know that there's a bigger picture to pay attention to as well. And Earl is very, very good about that. A guy that does national rankings and a guy that really pays attention to the greater landscape of college wrestling. So always appreciate his time. Always appreciate your guys' time. This was the second of three podcasts that I had planned for this week. We talked a little bit of NAIA yesterday, talked a lot of Big Ten today. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk some Big 12 wrestling, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, um, kind of what to expect going down there. Can the Cyclones close out a pretty special season with a Big 12 tournament championship? Um, I think they're closer than more, most people realize. So going to be fun to break that one down tomorrow. Um, and then come Saturday, we're finally going to be able to watch some wrestling. Actually, a lot of the wrestling starts Friday with NAIA Junior College as well as 
um, the NCAA women's uh, tournament. So those um, those are all Friday, Saturday tournaments, and then Big Ten, Big Twelves are both Saturday, Sunday. So a lot of wrestling to pay attention to. Um, I appreciate you guys following along here, following along um, you know through social media, following along through the Des Moines Register, all the things that I've been writing. There's been a lot of stuff um, to consume, and so I hope it meets your standards, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. But yeah, that's all I've got today. Um, Obviously, we'll be back tomorrow, but thanks a bunch for listening. Again, you guys, be sure to rate and review the show, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, on Instagram at Cody J. Goodwin, and of course, be sure to subscribe to the Des Moines Register to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. We're going to pump out a lot of stuff this weekend, not just about the Big Ten, but obviously the Big 12 and AIA um, Junior College and the NCAA Women's Championships as well. Um, so you don't want to miss a thing i don't want you guys to miss a thing be sure to subscribe be sure to follow along and you can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes thanks again for listening you guys we will talk again soon We know what's next. You know what's next. Uh, Questions will answer themselves.